You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, welcome to the most suspicious San Jose Sharks podcast, the San Jose Hockey Now podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. I am back again. Shang let me back for some reason. Uh, it's probably because he couldn't find anyone better right now. So, <laughs> Or anybody else at all. Or anybody at all. else at now. So, uh, Shang, we are recording this Wednesday night and it has been a... Uh, Kind of busy day for the Sharks. On, on been a we, very busy day. Very busy day. <laughs> when we talked to Doug yesterday, Doug Jr. yesterday, I was like, oh, there won't be a lot of news. And then all of a sudden, uh, bam, 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 after we talked with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to discuss, uh, of course, uh, the uh, what happened with the kudo with Roy Sommer getting uh, sent to the front office, uh, John McCarthy being hired as the head coach. And then we have, of course, uh, as Shang already uh, said, Doug Wilson Jr. joins to talk about the uh, 2022 NHL draft. Um, I tried my best to get some little nugget out of him of, of who the Sharks might be drafting, but he laughed at me. So, um, And then we'll t- talk about some of the Sharks' prospects. So, yeah, Wednesday night, I'm. Uh, we just watched the, the Flames uh, Oilers insanity. That, that's going to be the Battle of Alberta. Um, over under... 100 goals for the series. <laughs> that's a <laughs> you had to think about it. First yeah, I was like, <laughs> how many got a score with that? That's about yeah, it's 14 right there, right? Yeah, yep. so uh, yeah, um, hockey. I will say the hockey playoffs right now, uh, tick better than the basketball playoffs have been. So that's just you know, not trying to be biased it's, as it is a hockey podcast, but I've been watching both, and I think the hockey podcast, the hockey playoffs have been a little bit better right now, but. I think it's the game sevens. The game sevens are, have been really good. So, yeah. Well, also too. I mean, I think basketball, in my opinion, usually doesn't get better till the conference finals or whatever. Which is what we're at, and the Warriors yeah. blew out the the Mavs tonight. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, let's start with the big news first. Of course, um, I'm wearing a pizza. No, I'm just I got new shirts today. That is the big news. <laughs> I'm trying really... to stay consistent. So, yeah, yes, so. Uh, you'll see I'm in a different location and dressed for work. But no, the, the big news is um, a big change with, with the Barracuda. Roy Sommer had been there for, you know, since they built the hockey arena. ton of time. He was the original coach. He had actually invented <laughs> hockey. Um, I saw, I read it on the internet. Too, but um, he is going to, uh, Move into a front office role with the Barracuda and John McCarthy, uh, Sharks, uh, Barracuda legend, you know, career AHL guy. Um, he is taking over uh, of the Barracuda. You know, he's been assistant coach with them for a couple of years. But I mean, this this is big news, especially with, you know, and it's not just that. They've also assistant coach uh, Bones. He He's reassigned to his role as a professional scout. Um, assistant coach uh, Chason, he went to CAA to work with Pat Brisson. Um, the goaltending coach is gone. Like they kind of cleaned house, which is something you don't really see from the Sharks organization. You know, especially after the past 20, 25 years, it's been a very tight knit family. And, you know, it feels like 
the CUDA have big changes and this this felt like maybe it was the right time for them to to maybe look towards a different path. Well, JD, is it time for you to reveal that uh, you are interviewing tomorrow to be uh, John McCarthy's assistant right-hand man? Development. Developmental. <laughs> there are no assistant coaches, all developmental. Yes, I will be doing multiple podcasts, uh, you know, pucks in deep, full 200-foot game. You know, I've got it down, so. <laughs> don't, don't be a pylon that's my defensive uh, <laughs> yes. defense is bad defense is bad score goals chicks like goals yeah that's my that's my uh i guess was chicks dig the long ball chicks yeah. like goals, Chick, so. chicks chicks dig the the long stretch pass yes oh yes nothing better than a long stretch pass so but no i mean this this is really big with the the kuda who've you know like i said they've they've other than the time when Roy Sommer was helping out when when after uh, Pete DeBoer got fired, he's been a mainstay behind the Cuda bench and yeah, you know, 1998 past, man, yeah, that made yeah. 24 years. I was uh, I think I was seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was in, in high school, but uh, yeah, I I wrote about it a little today. If you think about just this year for the Sharks, right, all the sort of Sharks uh, luminaries that have uh, gone and and passed this year, Patrick Marlowe officially retiring. Doug Wilson stepping down, 19 years as GM. And now uh, Roy Sommer, who's actually been around a long, well, actually not longer than Marlowe, because Marlowe was 97, but uh, <laughs> Sommer started in 98. And now he's, uh, I mean, he still will be with the organization, but definitely will not be the same without him behind the bench. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's going to be people saying with, with Sommer that this might have been, you know, the, the Cuda didn't have a good season. You know, they lost, famously lost 15 games in a row. Um, it might've been time for a new voice, you know, or maybe just losing 15, you know, we, we, we've heard a lot from the organization, you know, winning breeds winning, especially when in their development. And, you know, I, my thinking is they're moving to a new arena, right? They've mm -hmm. got a plethora of new talent coming in between your, your Robins, your, uh, wise blats, Coes, et cetera, et cetera. All, all these guys coming in, uh, fancy new sweaters, maybe it was time for them to try to something new um, as, as they're heading in and trying to kind of build up the CUDA brand again. Yeah. Let me add to, uh, uh, you know, this Doug will talk a little bit about this uh, later, um, but sounds like they're also going to bring in more kind of veteran players to the Barracuda and, you know, they want that to be a more competitive product. And yeah. when we talk about bringing veteran AHL players, it's not, it's not necessarily that they can, not for them to block the young players, but for the young players then to have a standard to kind of achieve and to and to yeah. overcome to to be uh, uh, you know to be a top line AHL player because they earned it and not because the team is so bad that they've got to play on the top line. Yeah. Um, and so that sounds it sounds like a bit of a, the, the the plan here. Um, but you know, I I will say though uh, with uh, with Roy though that when Roy's been given. Uh, players uh, a good team he's mm -hmm. won games um, yeah um so i i don't i don't know if it's i i maybe to some degree i do believe them when they say that um the the record or whatever this year 15 game losing streak wasn't a big part of the evaluation uh because i i do think that if you look at what happened at end when a lot of players were called up right a lot of the, the guys they expected to be on a barracuda like a magna um yeah. Milosh, guys like that, right? And so they replace all those guys with mostly uh, EC, uh, ECHL guys for the most part, or uh, lower level uh, Barracuda sign prospects. And so this was not a, you know, a 
who was going to win with with this group? Oh no, I mean that right? that roster was terrible at the end yeah, of the season. At the end of the season, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, like it was, you know, Lane Peterson was was one C and you know, he's he's a perfectly fine guy, but like oh he's good at HL, but yeah, he's but, good, yeah, he's a good yeah. HL guy, but yeah, yeah, he's not not cracking. But you know, it's like he's got you know, there's Gushin out there, and then there's just a bunch of dudes out there that are like, you know, and and the shark I mean that's been part of the sharks thing is they just haven't had a lot of blue chip talent in their system. And now we're finally starting to see that blue chip talent starting to filter in, you know, I mean, Ryan Merkley has been, been down there for, you know, a year and a half basically. And he got called up because the sharks needed it, needed some help. But like, you know, when was the last time they had a first round draft pick on that, that CUDA team for a while, or, you know, or at least, well, let's say, well, Merkley last year, I guess. Merkley last, last year, year, but yeah. like, yeah. you know, it's been mostly, you know, your Sasha Shemleskis, your, you know, guys like that are kind of late round draft picks. And, you know, oh, Sharks fans might be excited for the development. There's a reason why those guys were picked usually in the sixth or seventh round and stuff like that. They're not these like blue chip pieces that you're expecting to to contribute AHL or, or NHL level at some point. So, and yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for Roy where you can only do so much. You, you know, what's the saying? You can't, can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit type of thing. And I feel like that's what he was kind of given with. But, you know, it again, 24 years behind the bench, it's, it's a long time. And you just wonder if they're, wanted a fresh voice and direction with, especially with a bunch of new people coming in. Yeah. 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 No, I, I do definitely uh, get that sense. And so, yeah, so that's part of uh, what I kind of uh, dug at uh, after we did talk with uh, Joe will and uh, John McCarthy. Um, and uh, afterwards I, I dug a little bit more on sort of just, you think about what is, well, what is the difference between a John McCarthy and a Roy Sommer, right? And well, obviously the age is one thing, right? So the, is there some ages? Lack in of here? Ties. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of volatiles. That's another difference, right? Yes. And I did want to add before I get to the point about kind of maybe why they went with John, but, um, a couple of notes I wanted to add though, before that were first that I do think that this was a very recent thing that was decided. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke with, uh, Roy Sommer, I think about three weeks ago. Uh, you can see the article. I asked him about a bunch of Barracuda prospects, right? Like he talked about Blickfeld. And yeah, <laughs> he, he he did a he 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 did a number on Blickfeld. Uh, uh, he talked about a bunch of other guys: Chimaleski, Leonard, Hadika. Mm-hmm. You can see it all. It's on at San Jose Hockey now. I also wrote it for MEC Sharks. Um, but at that point, though, uh, it sounded very much you know I you know we ended a call with oh he's going back to to uh, to Montana uh, to yeah. uh, kind of to kind of his ranch, and then I had seen in death camp you know <laughs> and so everything seemed like okay you know roy somers coming back for his 25th year and uh but yeah but then you know as things are transpiring um uh uh this morning and you know i had a little bit of a sense of it actually the night before it seemed like this was very recent and mm-hmm. so i just wanted to add that uh i do feel for roy uh, for on a couple of points uh, first that uh the winniest ahl coach in history you know he has 808 wins uh the second place guy has 636 and i know that's <laughs> easier to get wins these days you know with uh no yeah. ties and all that stuff but nonetheless though that's a that's lot more wins. Wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so Anyway, it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, unfortunate, uh, uh, sad in, in some ways that the mm. winningest coach in Asia history has to end his co- uh, coaching career, at least we presume, and his head coaching career on a 15-game losing streak. That's uh, number one. Uh, number two, that uh, he's not going to get to the new new building. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the side things, uh, fun things about covering Roy over the last uh, five years or so, 
It's just all the digs he would make at the 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 tiny crowds that, and he wasn't he wasn't the uh, 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 cracking on the crowds. So the the yeah. fans were there. He's just talking about how you know the lack of atmosphere, five hundred people, yeah. thousand, you know, uh, yeah, a thousand like after lucky 20, 000, in yeah. a massive right arena, yeah. right? And he was not shy about sort of uh, joking about that. And um, I, I think that it, he deserved. And so I'm not saying that. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not starting a change.org. Get Roy Somers' job back or whatever, right? <laughs> but it's it's not wrong to say though that he deserved to be in that building as much as anybody uh, yeah. on opening night, and it's a shame that he he won't be. And um, uh, I understand kind of where they're going, the direction of the franchise, which I'm going to get to in a second. But I just wanted to say that note uh, uh, for uh, for Roy. Oh, last thing too, I mentioned my article too. Um, and again, numbers don't don't matter uh, in in a big picture. But uh, he was 14 wins away from a thousand uh, pro ice uh, hockey wins as a head coach. 808 with the Barracuda, and 176, I think, as a ECHL coach uh, before he started uh, with uh, uh, with uh, San Jose AHL affiliates. And so, anyway, so uh, real. Uh, I mean, at the rate that the, the Cuda were playing, it was going to take him two years to get there. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but, that's, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. But, uh, but anyway, so the, the, that's just a little digression there. But I did want to say that a little bit more of the digging of, uh, you know, the difference between John and Roy, right? And I just alluded to it. I don't think it's so much the winning part mm -hmm. is you give Roy Sommer good AHL players a good team not just yeah. like a good first line or you know a couple good elements but you give yeah. him a, a good team he's gonna win games he, you yeah know, I mean, he's, he's won 800 of them right so, yeah right right he didn't you turn into uh, yeah you don't just win 800 games yeah so. right right he's not he's, he's he's not a bad hockey coach right yeah uh but if he but uh one thought that i kind of pursued and checked around and made sense is that you know think about kind of where hockey is going the last few years and what's one of the trends that you hear about and it's guys working with skills coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Be it like Austin Matthews or over the summer, or what are, what are a lot of the top players in, in the world doing, right? They're playing, they're kind of meeting up with each other and going to skills coaches and, yep. uh, you know, playing these mini scrimmages against each other, picking up things from each other, that sort of thing. Right. So there's a kind yep. of emphasis on, on, on that sort of thing. Right. So you think about John McCarthy and John McCarthy, the last couple of years for the Barracuda, he was the development coach. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of fits that kind of transition going, you know, development coach, skills coach, kind of working, you know, same general kind of kind of pathway to that. Right. And so John talked about that, actually, uh, to some degree, or he alluded to it uh, when we when I asked him uh, just sort of uh, he was a development coach uh, before. Now he's a head coach. Does that sort of enhance the development part of his role or does that take away from it because when you think of a head coach you think of maybe more of an organizer or yeah. or kind of a, a big boss and not worried about sort of the details or this little skills or whatever right and he he gave an interesting quote about that about how they're kind of going to go away from that that old school structure he said uh that old school structure of you know a head coach and uh, traditional head coach, two assistant coaches, one development coach. And his quote was, the old structure uh, was head coach to assistant coaches to one development coach. But moving forward, we're just all going to be development coaches. And yeah, yeah we're all going to have titles. Uh, we're all going to have certain responsibilities. Uh, but, you know, we're going to 
we're, we're going to all of a sudden that they are going to be responsible for de developing players. And so I think that's, that's one way where I see not that again, that, um, that Roy didn't develop, Roy didn't get hands-on, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But yeah. John is maybe a little more recent into that. He's a little, you know, he, he just a, a little bit more in that sort of trend line, I guess. Um, and another point that uh, was 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 mentioned was uh, or mentioned to me was that you know John has a great relationship with with the players, uh, the current uh, Barracuda players. And again, that's not saying won. that yeah, he right, literally won that long ago. So well, yeah. he literally played with yeah. most of them, right? Yeah, and, or a lot of them. And it's not saying that Roy didn't have a good relationship or a great relationship, yeah. but you know, it's a little different relationship, right? When it's a thirty-five-year-old guy who just retired, who is kind of your oh my you god, know, he's younger than me. Yes, <laughs> you know, and he's working, you know, like yeah. like a different situation than sort of a, a guy that's been brought up in sort of that old system. And it's not yeah, that yeah, Roy yeah. didn't evolve. Roy had to have evolved to be around for twenty-four years, but. Um, just maybe a slight, you know, just, you know, maybe uh, a little more in that sort of development skills coach kind of mm -hmm. uh, kind of thinking more modern in some ways. Right. And uh, I, I think that that's sort of when I think about what's the difference between a John McCarthy and a, and a Roy Sommer, it could be kind of in, 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 in that sort of it can be looked at in that framework a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, you know, especially like you said, with, the way the NHL is moving forward, where it's open ice skill, can you make mm -hmm. a play and, and, you know, that type of thing. And, um, you know, and like he also said, where they're going to try to mesh the the sharks and the barracuda, they're going to be playing the same system and stuff like that too. And that's, that's going to be helping, you know, these guys where they're not. And again, I don't know. I couldn't tell you the Roy Summer system versus whatever the sharks are. Well, they, it's always been similar. Yeah. It's always it, been it similar, but be, it's yeah, like, so, you yeah. have to, especially with these guys, you know, they're, they're learning, there are, it's already hard enough to learn, you know, to be a hockey, pro hockey player, but then bouncing back and forth and stuff like that. And I think having a more cohesive voice, especially between the Sharks and Cuda, you know, especially right now when you're, you know, a lot of the Sharks future kind of hinges on this 2020 draft class, this 2021 draft class, this 2022 draft class that they're about to have these, these, these are going to be the pieces of your next core and making sure that they're getting all the help, all the development that they can to play in this new modern NHL. It just makes sense. And like I said before, you're, you've got a brand new barn you're opening up. You've got an influx of, you know, this is probably the most talent that the, the Kudas had in a long time, at least on paper, right? You know, and well, in terms of young players, at least, because I mean, let's not forget yeah. uh, 2017, the Barracuda, they made it to the conference final. You know, they, yeah, they I was were, actually, I was at one of those games. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. You know, but like, yeah, this is the, in a long time, this is, this is, some of the most talent at least on on paper that they're going to have and it makes sense to try to you know if you want these guys to develop properly and making sure they're hitting those milestones as they're making their way to the nhl you know and try to squeeze every drop of them out of them and you know it makes sense to try to get someone who's that's their main thing is developing and, and you know john mccarthy he's a career ahl guy i mean i know he played like 88 games in the nhl but like you know he's a career ahl guy sure. he, he knows a lot of these guys he knows the grind of of going through an ahl season and playing pro hockey and you know i i think this is a, a really smart move for for the sharks organization and you know i think it just adds another, another la la layer of excitement as the cuda kind of you know, kick things off for this 2022, 2023 season.
Yeah, I guess in a final way, I guess that I, I think about it is that, you know, we talk about Roy evolving over the years and mm -hmm. he definitely did. Yeah. Um, and uh, credit to him uh, for that. But, you know, Roy was evolving, but John's already there. You yeah. know, in terms of just like being with uh, sort of uh, where the game is is now. And not that Roy couldn't be there or couldn't get there or wasn't there already, right? But John's yeah. already there. And maybe that incremental difference that you mentioned, like squeezing that extra drop. Uh, so maybe this is that incremental difference, uh, hopefully, that uh, makes that impact on one of these younger players or whatever. And um, we'll see. We'll see, of course. But uh, I, I think that that's, that's sort of, uh, you know... Uh, like I said, uh, John, uh, John uh, is, is already there, and just you know, just that 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 little 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 bit there, you know, will make that that difference, you know, as um, you know, comparing one to the other. Yeah, and I actually I can't wait for McCarthy to get his hands on Ozzy. I just think that like Ozzy's gonna love McCarthy, you know, just because of how tenacious Ozzy likes to play. Um, and you know, he's he said his favorite thing to do is go play in the corners and stuff like that. I just I think McCarthy's gonna have fun with him, but um some as we transition some other news coming out these sharks have finally admitted one person that they are interviewing so by the time you guys hear this they will be uh interviewing uh sharks legend ray whitney played with the sharks in 91-97 also as a scout for the canes uh 2015 to the 2018 season currently works for the nhl and it's pretty interesting that this is kind of, especially from, um, as I've joked before on, on my other podcast, the, the teal curtain where you get literally nothing out of the Sharks and you have to pry to get any little nugget. It's pretty interesting that this one is a little more open. Uh, they've been a little bit more open about uh, Ray Whitney, at least compared to uh, the other candidates that they're interviewing, right? Well, I, one thing I'll say is I don't think that this is from the Sharks, The what we've heard about. I, I think Bob the Ray. Sharks are, this is my me speculating very yeah. loudly, but I think the Sharks are kind of doing the NHL a bit of a favor here. Um, you know, they, the Sharks have, you know, it's not like when they, they came out and they were like, hey, we have three candidates we're going to look at. They're like, oh, we have a bajillion candidates. So I think the NHL was like, can you slide one more over here and spend a couple <laughs> hours and, and talk to? A oh, yeah, guy yeah. What uh, one interesting thing about about Ray, of course, is yeah, he he's been he was a scout with the the Canes uh, 2015 through 18, uh, mm -hmm. but he's worked for the NHL uh, league office where uh, player safety department, of player safety actually uh, since. Did they uh, do anything? <laughs> 2018, and one funny thing is that uh, as uh, I learned that a uh, Ray is actually was actually or. Well, it was now. Uh, was in Calgary tonight for the Calgary Edmonton uh, game, Ooh, nice. Battle of Alberta. And I think it's funny that, of course, uh, they would send uh, someone from player safety to uh, Calgary Edmonton. You know, because I think if you have Matthew Kachuk and Evander Kane and uh, guys a lot you know, like that, Milan <laughs> Lucic and Zach Cassian all on the same ice. Uh, I'm ready for Brady somebody... Kachuk. Yeah, Brady, Brady Kachuk from the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, jumping, <laughs> jumping in, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, is that Brady's music? My <laughs> <By> God, <laughs> just yeah. So uh, definitely having a guy from player safety, there's a, a good idea. Um, also learned that um, 
that uh, Ray's interview will be uh, his first interview, first interview with the Sharks, and over and they'll be over Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, what that suggested to me, and I wrote about that today, is that uh, the Sharks are still sort of in that initial phase. You know, they talked yeah. about Jonathan Becker talked about 20, 25 candidates, and they would talk to that number, uh, have kind of initial conversations with them, and so I think we are very much in that sort of initial phase still. Um, going to what you said about doing the league a, a favor, um, there is something that something to that that I, I learned recently a couple weeks ago talking to uh, uh, another kind of a prospective uh, GM candidate. No, it wasn't Ray Whitney, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Uh, this, person, <laughs> yeah. uh, this person, yeah, this person told me that um, the league has sort of an underrated influence uh, on sort of uh, who gets interviewed. Not, you know, not not every yeah. every candidate's going to be a league guy, but yeah. there's going to be a few guys in there that you know, if not for their association with the league or whatever, maybe they they wouldn't be talked to or taken as seriously. And the quote that this person gave to me. Uh, this uh, prospective GM candidate, he, he said that uh, he's been told that you want a GM job, go work for the league. And uh, you look at examples like of guys who kind of jump from uh, working for the, the NHL front office to a, if not a GM position, a executive team executive position. Brendan Shanahan is one of the more famous ones mm -hmm. where he had no uh, when he retired, he went straight to working for to, for the NHL as you know the the punishments are right, disciplines are, and then and then he jumped directly to president of the Maple Leafs, uh, arguably the sort of the premier hockey yeah. hockey job in <laughs> in all the NHL, uh, and he didn't go. Well, he didn't the do good anything thing about between. that is yeah. you're done working every April, so you're yeah, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that. That makes it even better, right? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you can book four uh, four months off in the cottage. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you can book that trip by the hike to, to up Everest in uh in uh in April. <laughs> Do we worry about cancellation fee? Nah, honey, don't worry about it. Just book it. We'll be good. <laughs> but uh yeah, so so uh, so 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 with the with the Shannon hand, like that's that's an example of a guy that's like said uh didn't you know di didn't grind it as a scout in between, mm -hmm. didn't uh didn't do this or that in between. Uh, and went straight from again straight from the league to executive position. Uh, Rob Blake is another example. He grinded out a little bit, but he worked for the league right after he retired. I uh, worked for I think Shanahan, and then he joined the the Kings as assistant GM. Of course, now he is the GM of the Kings, and so there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's done a good job there. And so again, so now going back to Ray Whitney, right? Uh, who's uh, worked for the league for a few years now. Um, now, I, I don't know if I would call it so much. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as calling it a favor. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but yeah. uh, it wouldn't surprise me, obviously, you know, working for the league, I would say the way I would put it is that, is that it's a definite halo over you. And it gets you that sort of that, 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 that interview that you wouldn't get if you just grinded it as a scout all these years, mm. you know, maybe, you know, so. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, it could be one of these things where, like, I, I, I don't think I'd be shocked, honestly, if the Sharks did hire him right now. But it could be one of those things where he interviews now, he gets a few pointers, he goes, you know, maybe takes a front out, like, assistant GM job or something like that somewhere. Or, you know, he goes in interviews with another team and you kind of start to build that credentials with him. And then, you know, maybe a year or two down the line when the next GM position opens up for whatever team, um, you know, then he's like, oh, yeah, I remember he, he interviewed with the Sharks. He interviewed with 
you know, the coyotes or whoever, just throwing that out type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you kind uh, of build that, that small credentials a little bit at a time and then until he kind of makes, makes his jump. So yeah, especially with kind of, again, how public this one has been, especially with how tight lipped the sharks usually are with everything. Um, again, I think, yeah, maybe throwing, doing the league of favor is probably the wrong wording, but I think they're doing the league of favor. So. <laughs> well, I, I do think though that uh, how public this uh, has been, uh, you know, tracing it back, uh, I started with uh, Elliot Friedman uh, and mm. Elliot Friedman was just speculation. Like, Hey, that's yeah. a guy maybe to look for. And then Craig Morgan of uh, Phoenix sports uh, jumped in and said, Hey, actually uh, he is going to have an interview. It's not just speculation. He is going yeah. to interview with the sharks. And then I learned that it's the first interview and some of the details of, of that interview. Um, I will say that, uh, uh, and I, and I mentioned that I mentioned this in the first article I wrote about it, that it's sort of, it's, sort of like a kind of like a coming out party. And like you mentioned, right. I'd be surprised if you got this job with mm -hmm. the sharks uh, kind of first go around, but now people know that he's a guy that's there that wants a job also gives him a chance to get his reps. Uh, as far as I know, he's not interviewed with any other teams. I could be wrong about that. I, uh, we don't know that for a fact, but I, in the sort of the research I did, I hadn't seen any sort of confirmation uh, of, uh, of, of him, uh, you know, uh, interviewing previously with uh, any of the other vacancies. Um, so, yeah, so this is a way for him to get his reps. And he's a name probably, you know, his time is sort of, it won't be now probably with the Sharks, just a guess. Yeah. But, it, you know, his time is certainly coming. Yeah, I mean, you can, three years from now, Ray Whitney, GM, you can book it. So, <laughs> Shang, I think we've covered what was not going to be a very eventful day, turned into a very eventful day. Yep. And uh, let's uh, get into our interview with Doug Wilson Jr. But first, guys, hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So look to turn a small bet into a big day pay, uh, big day during playoffs. With drafting same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Again, use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, guys, we bring in the best hair in the hockey scouting community. Mm-hmm. Doug Wilson Jr. joining the show today. We're going to talk some of the uh, 2022 draft and some of the Sharks prospects. First, Doug, we got to ask, how is your dad doing? I think a lot of Sharks fans, you know, with your dad stepping down, we want to, you know, just kind of check in. How's your dad doing? How's he feeling? You know, how are things going with him? Uh, he's doing well. I've uh, been on the road for a while, and he's been uh, babysitting my two daughters. So he's, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good. And uh, for the record, I do not have the best hair. In fact, not even in our organization. Mike Ricci is way better than mine. Oh, so, uh, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, in the whole organization, I think you got to go Carlson first because that, yeah. that hair is – he, he he did he cut his hair, but he got the uh, Thor Ragnarok powers this year uh, with it. But yeah, it, it's pretty hard to top his hair. And I think Noah Gregor is slightly underrated on the hair department. But yeah, um, <laughs> those are solid. But I'm old school. I'm going Mike Ricci number one. Everyone else can fall in line. 
All right, top top three then. All right, because I like that. You know, when we last talked to you about a year ago, you had the flow going, mm-hmm. and now you've you've gone short. Uh, a lot, Eric Carlson, and yeah. it's still, still looking good. That yeah, you're gonna good. unlock unlock the Thor Ragnarok's of scouting practice <laughs> right now. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> All right. So with your dad kind of not being there, what's it, what's it been like at, at the, you know, just around, around, you know, the headquarters in San Jose and stuff, has it, had, you know, things changed that much day to day, you know, is it just weird not having your dad there around as much or how's that been? Yeah, to be honest, I'm on the road most of the time anyway. So my direct reports are Tim Burke and Joe Will. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, my stuff hasn't really changed too much. I, I focus on the amateur side and college and European free agency. So, uh, you know, anytime an NHL team changes a G- GM, right, things, things are going to be different. But I think Joe Will's done a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, Berkey's a, a mentor of mine. So, you know, for, for me personally, things are still good and, and dad's healthy and in a good spot. So, um, you know, to be honest, we're just kind of full steam ahead right now. Well, Doug, I wanted to ask you uh, where you are right now, because uh, when we talked, uh, well, we were supposed to talk yesterday and you were supposed to be in Seattle uh, for Seattle, Portland, uh, I, I assume. And so uh, where are you at uh, right now? Looks like uh, you're back uh, back at home. Yeah, no, I'm back at home. I just flew back this morning. So I was at uh, Seattle yesterday and they got Portland tonight. So just uh, watching games throughout, um, you know, for the most part, I'm in, in uh, Western Canada and, and uh, the Pac Northwest. So just in the second round of playoffs right now, it's been a pretty good series. And, uh, and then moving on to Edmonton, Winnipeg after this, and then off to the combine in two weeks. So our guys, it's, uh, everything's kind of been pushed back a little bit. Usually the mm-hmm. combine is until the end of the season, but now we, we still have second, third round of, uh, of major junior playoffs. So everything's kind of, you know, right up against each other here. Well, I, I got to ask you here uh, because obviously Seattle has a big, uh, big time prospect there, but I want you to poo poo the idea because you guys see a lot of people. So just a coincidence that you happen to be seeing uh, Kevin Korchinski, you know, there's a, you, you guys are, you watched uh, a lot of guys, you know, at this point, right? Yeah, we, we've got scouts at every game. So we had scouts at the Winnipeg Edmonton game, the Gatineau game, uh, the North Bay games. We have, everyone has a certain area. So for us, it works out that, you know, Tim Burke lives in Boston and I'm in the West. So, you know, we get to have crossover that way. But uh, yeah, we've got scouts at every game right now. We got three guys at the world championships uh, over in Finland. So just middle of scouting season still. Yep. Because I know for sure someone's going to be like, oh, Doug Wilson Jr. was at Seattle uh, yep. yesterday, <laughs> right after the draft yeah. lottery. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Church, Korchinski season's here, people. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, you- uh, Doug, I wanted to ask like your personal like process of scouting players. Are you, do you like to watch the film first and then get to scouting reports or you like to read up on them and then watch them? Like, how do you kind of personally attack, like when you're watching, you know, prospect X? Yeah, I'm actually pretty fortunate because our amateur group has been together uh, mm-hmm. for quite a long time. And then we recently brought in about four new scouts. And uh, so our guys have been with us for a while, you know, Pat Funk, uh, Robbie Grillo, Brian Marchment, Gilles Cote, Brian Gross, they've done a phenomenal job of kind of like breaking in our, our younger scouts, like Ryan Russell and Neil McKenney, et cetera. And so, you know, they make my job so easy. So mm-hmm. everyone has an area. Um, they put in their reports every single day, uh, post games. And then I read up on all the reports. I'll watch a video of each of the guys. 
And then when we narrowed down the players um, that are outside of, you know, my current area, the, you know, PAC Northwest, um, then I'll travel out and go see each of those leagues, you know, three weeks at a time. So I'll, I'll fly out to Ontario, spend three weeks with Brian Marchment, Robbie Grillo, fly to Europe, spend three weeks with Shin Larson, uh, Tommy Callio, et cetera, throughout. So, you know, my schedule is, it's honestly at the, at the whim of the area guys, um, mm-hmm. where they, they identified. I mean, I, I just think we have a really good, um, trust level with, uh, with each area guy. So I like to be prepared for, every trip that I go on. So I'll focus on the video and the reports of the area that I'm about to go to. Um, but we're now in the season where I'll focus on individual players for our list. Um, yep. So just kind of narrowed it, it down at this point. But for the most part, I trust our area guys quite a bit. I wanted to jump in and ask you about uh, one of your, uh, well, now former scouts at uh, Christopher Boucher uh, left. Uh, now he's with the Montreal Canadiens. I think he's the director of analytics there now. And uh, just asking about him because uh, I spoke with him last year and he said that you were a big reason why he joined the San Jose Sharks. So uh, just can you talk about that loss? Yeah, Bush is great. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, that, that's tough to lose someone after two years, but he got headhunted for a phenomenal role. Uh, Bush already lived in Montreal. Right. And uh, SportLogic, which he founded, is, is based in Montreal. Um, you know, with us, he was a pro scout, and he helped our coaching staff, and he, and he helped our pro side, and he got headhunted to go run the entire analytics department for Montreal. So not going to get in the way of that, but, it, you know, it's a tough loss. He's a, he's a great communicator. Um, I find in those analytical roles that, uh, you know, one of the most important parts of the position is to be able to communicate your ideas in a way that you can have an actionable item. And he did a fantastic job with that. So I, I've known Boosh now for eight years um, before Sport Logic was a thing. And he did a great job and he's well-deserving of the promotion. And uh, it's a tough loss, but he's going to the Eastern Conference. So I'm good with that. <laughs> so when you're like on the road and scouting, you know, especially now that you're kind of narrowing it down you know especially with the draft i think what six weeks away or something like that mm-hmm. like what is the one thing you're looking for in guys is it like we've seen with your you know last year you wanted to get kind of intelligent puck moving guys with, with when it came to defensemen you know like we've seen you know like with, with bordolo and and eklund where it's you know that hockey iq like what is the one thing you're kind of looking for that when when you're draft you know scouting and trying to draft these guys yeah, I mean, without getting too much into it, I would say just getting to know them as humans and people. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes you, you forget, right, when you do mock drafts or, you know, things like that. Like, our, our business is people, and yeah. you have to really get to know people. And, um, you know, it's fun going to games and getting excited about high skill or, you know, dangles or, or soft passes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, uh, the biggest thing is getting to know people. And I learned that from Tim Burke. And, and uh, Shang, I think you and I talked about this last year, is that you don't just draft a player and then, you know, let it be and hope for the best. You, yeah. you have to draft every single player with a purpose and a development plan. And I find that the best way to figure out what that development plan is, is by getting to know the people. So, um, you know, we're really big right now into uh, communicating with teachers, parents, uh, former teammates, you know, I can ask their head coach, but every head coach thinks their player should go first overall. So, uh, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, right? So um, it just goes back to trusting our local area guys and how much work they do. Um, but it's May, 
it, it's mid-May right now. I mean, lots of games have been played. We know how these guys play on the ice. And the most important thing is getting to know them as humans and if they fit with what we're looking for. Well, a big picture, uh, just uh, not getting too specific, but just how would you describe this year's draft compared to uh, previous years? You know, every, every draft, the percentages of players that make it over X amount of games, if, if you want to use it, 100 games or 200 games, mm-hmm. depending on position, every year the percentages are pretty similar. You know, they're within a standard deviation. So it's, it's not like it, when people sometimes say it's a really good draft, it's because they have Connor McDavid. Well, there's yeah. 218 <laughs> other picks, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I actually really like this draft in certain pockets. And I'm really happy we, we got the 11th pick. I mean, you know, the odds of us moving up, that's, that's great and all. But uh, I, I think for us, it would have been a struggle if we had dropped down um, mm-hmm. a couple of spots. Uh, I really like where we are at 11. I think it puts us right in the wheelhouse of a group of guys that we've really narrowed it down to. And then I'm actually really excited about um, some certain pockets in the mid rounds where we have, uh, we have some picks. Um, you know, we've been known to move picks up and down. I'm sure that'll happen mm. again. But I, I think for this draft, it's, it's less the overall depth and it's more certain pockets of where guys can go that uh, we just, we're, we're going to try and get into those spots. Hmm. I was going to ask you a little bit about the depth. Because we asked you this, you know, we'll talk with you uh, probably a couple of weeks before the draft uh, once again. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll uh, we've or I've asked you the last couple of years, just like how deep is your like how what what is your number of your sort of your due draft list, right? And so I know it's going to change over the next couple of months, but you know, can you give a general number of just what you know what the number is? Eighty, a hundred, one hundred and thirty, right? I think you had that a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was that was the highest we've ever had. So it's 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 lower than that. But yeah. um, I, I mean, I think I mentioned to you the only year that we ever got close to it like uh, was the Centauri Hataka draft because we didn't really have much after that. I think we traded, I think we traded a seventh round pick that year, you know, to get into the following season. So um, we have a good number of guys this year, uh, but the combine is in two weeks and we'll get a little bit more information. Mm. Plus last season with, you know, the OHL not playing and there's a couple of older players that have performed really well. I think that's actually added to the group of guys mm. here. So um, yeah, it's, it's a normal draft right around uh you know, 100, 110, which would be, you know, for us, we, we won't narrow it down yet for another two weeks post combine, but uh, that's a good number right now. With the, the combine coming up, how kind of difficult is it sometimes where it's like a guy's measurables might be off the chart, but then, you know, trying to weigh that with maybe the, the production on the ice wasn't there and you have to try to kind of balance like the potential of a guy compared to what you're actually seeing on the ice with him. Yeah. Well, you know, what's fascinating is there hasn't been a combine in three seasons, right? So mm-hmm. the last two drafts we had, we talked about this as a group is uh, I wonder where some of the guys would have gone if, if there was a combine and you got to see, you know, their physicality and their interviews in person and how they tested. Uh, we didn't get to do any of that for, for two seasons. So, um, you know, the guys that we had, uh, Thomas Bordalo, he would have interviewed really well. You know, Brandon Coe would have been off the charts in the, um, in the, in the physio and the speed, um, Ozzy can jump through the roof. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's fascinating not having a combine for two years um, and wondering if those guys would have gone where they went. So I think everyone's really excited about the combine this year to actually, you know, be in front of everyone, see the testing, talk to them. Um, it just kind of gets back to a, a normal draft. So, you know, you lose that competitive advantage a bit if, if you've 
got area guys that do a really good job, but uh, I'm excited about the combine. All right. Uh, I think we've grilled you enough on, on this year's draft. Uh, well, yeah. One last question about last year's draft. Uh, so you have Veneers first, Eklund third, who was, or second, who was third on the board? I, I told him not to ask this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't matter because Eklund was there, right? Um, yeah. If, no, if it rhymes with uh, Ballstead, you can blink. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think from that class, a lot of guys uh, performed really well. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think Seattle got a good one, and uh, I, I really like our guy too. So I, yeah, uh, no, I... maybe Shane's dog ate the list after two. That's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's so, get into sort of the, the the meat of the sort of the, the prospects right from this year, right? And the first one that stands out is you know William Eklund and you know perception that he did not have the year that uh, well you know uh, year that he he wanted in Sweden. Um, so, what were your thoughts of uh, of his uh, season uh, in your gardens? Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to look at the numbers, right? He had one goal, I, I mean, and he had, had no goals with us in San Jose, right? So that, that's the easy thing to look at. But honestly, I'm not really worried about the numbers over there. His season was almost identical to Mika Zabinijad's. I mean, Zabinijad was drafted ninth overall. Mm -hmm. uh, he played his nine games with Ottawa. They sent him back to your garden, and then your garden got relegated. Um, I don't think it hurt him very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Lucas Raymond, I think, scored 25 goals in the NHL this year. He scored six last year in, in the SHL. So it's, it's a different type of game. Uh, the rink is different. I mean, I, you can come up with all the excuses, but at the end of the day, when we made the decision, it was if you look historically at the players that go back, regardless of their production versus the guys that actually stayed, um, year two, which is this upcoming year, always tended to work out better for the guys who go back. So um, I think obviously he would have liked to have scored more. He was playing third line center in a defensive role after uh, the world juniors. I think if you look at his points, all of his points came when he was a second line winger before mm -hmm. Christmas. So uh, when he comes over the season, he's going to play wing and uh, we've already talked to him about it and he's, he's in a good spot. So I look at it less as the, the points and the season and all that. And I look at it more as what happens with a, 20-year-old William Eklund who gets to come to San Jose, get his apartment, be comfortable, compared to a 19-year-old living out of a hotel room, not knowing if he's going back or forth or whatever. So um, in the long run, I'm, I couldn't be happier to, one, have William and then have William on a three-year deal coming on here. So um, yeah, we're, I'm happy with William. Was there any concern with sort of the uh, the dysfunction maybe, though, in your gardens? You know, they went through uh, multiple GMs, uh, multiple coaches. Not really. I mean, if we're being honest here, if, uh, I don't think a one goal player in the SHL was going to help the Sharks this year that much, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I, I'm, you, can, you can come up with adversity for really good teams and the guy mm -hmm. doesn't play a lot or really mm -hmm. bad teams and he plays a ton and doesn't put up points. Like, at the end of the day, it was, we're now going to get a one-year older, stronger, faster, uh, intelligent William Eklund who had experience playing wing and center. And that's what we're going to add to the team this year. I mean... It, they played, I think, 50 games over there. So, I mean, would he have been better off with us for 82 NHL games? I don't think so. Mm. Um, so I'm really excited about William. I talked to him the other day. He's ready to go. And uh, hopefully he comes over and he plays wing and he, he takes advantage of his opportunities. 
I was going to ask you about some of those, uh, I guess, soft areas you mentioned. Uh, so those areas that we don't see in terms of his strength, things that he needed to work on when you guys sent him over, those things progressed uh, well, you think, uh, uh, over there? Yeah, I mean, I talked to him. The, the one thing I'm still working with him on, and Tim Burke's done a good job with it, is he's always looking for quality shots. Mm -hmm. And he's got to mix it up way more. Like, we need way more shot volume. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's similar to the running back theory, right? You can You can – pound the ball, but you need to throw it to receivers once right. in a while to mix up the defense. Yeah. Uh, so with William, he's always looking for high quality shots. And we told him, look, pass off the pads, more volume shooting. So he's got to keep working on that. Mm -hmm. um, not trying to make the perfect play every time, but um, you know what? He was, he was playing a defensive role as a third line center and trying to be as safe as possible. And uh, luckily when he comes to us, we'll open him up a bit more. And well, um, you know, that's the biggest thing. Timo Meyer uh, runs a hockey school in Switzerland in off season. So maybe you just send uh, William over there because anybody <laughs> is going to teach uh, 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 William to shoot all the time. It's going to be Timo. Yeah. yeah. Timo, I think was like the best volume shooter two years in a row in the queue when we drafted him. So if anyone's going to teach him, it's going to be him. Yes. <laughs> so uh, kind of next with, with Eklund, um, I guess Eklund and Bortolo plans to play them in world juniors this year, or are you going to kind of wait and see how it goes with that? Uh, we're working on that with the schedule right now. I mean, mm -hmm. it's always our opinion. If you get an opportunity to play with your national team and play with the best players, it can only mm -hmm. help with development. Um, you know, we've got development camp right after the draft and then there's the world juniors and then we're hosting the rookie tournament in San Jose. So I'm sure there'll be some off time somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you but my yeah, too yeah exactly. And yeah. then plus we're, we're starting the season in Europe this season too. Right. So uh, don't want to burn them out, but I mean, shoot, if you're 19 and 20, you know, you're, you're not going to get burned down that much. It's hockey, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. So um, haven't made a decision yet, but we'll, uh, we'll make that when, uh, when they come to camp. When they come to uh, development camp. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, some of the, uh, I guess, not as well as talked about guys, but some of the defensive guys. So, you know, we, we've talked about, I know. I think Galen Rock's kind of already found a, a, a soft spot in, in Sharks fans, uh, but like Gira the Pebble, Kanish, <laughs> the Pebble, yes. Uh, but like uh, Gira and, and Kanishikov, um, you know, can you kind of talk about their development this season? I know Gira, he had, I think he had like a wrist injury or something like that at the beginning of the season, so he, he probably didn't have the season that he wanted. But can you kind of talk about those guys' development? Yeah, well, it's actually Artem's birthday today, and oh. I was stunned to find out he's 19, because if you see him, he looks 35, so <laughs> that one's a little bit interesting, but uh, Artem is a great kid. He, um, if, if you guys didn't hear about the wrist injury, he hurt his wrist up against the boards, kind of jammed it, mm -hmm. and he came off the ice, and uh, he wanted to go back out there and play, and he couldn't feel his wrist, so he asked the trainer to just tape his wrist to his glove so he could keep playing. And they're like, your, your wrist looks like it fell off. Like, no, you have to go to the hospital. And so he's, uh, he's one of the toughest guys like that we have and he punishes guys. But, um, for him, the biggest thing is he's a really good skater. Like he's mm -hmm. a very, very good skater for a guy of that size. And, you know, unfortunately we didn't get to have Artem or, uh, Evgeny Kashnikov at our development camp and rookie tournament last year. So they're still pretty raw, uh, compared to some of our other players, but, um cash grew two inches so he's six foot six now uh we saw him when he came to ottawa and watched uh our nhl game against the senators mm -hmm. and then artem is just a big horse and he uh he came when uh when we played the maple leaf so got to see him in person and 
and all that. But, you know, I'm excited to see them at uh, development camp. They, they both definitely need some work, uh, but mm -hmm. they have, you know, they can skate and they're 6'4 and 6'6. Six, six. So uh, excited to work with them. And, you know, I know after five days on the ice with Tim Burke, they'll, they'll learn more than they did in the last two years. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, and then, I was going to say, and then LaRock, how excited were you to kind of see him play with the Barracuda and really hold his own in those? I know it was a, three games, but, it, you know, watching those games, he did not look out of place, especially for an 18-year-old playing against grown men. Yeah. Um, Gannon, I mean, he just he, – he's, he's, he's such a good kid. He's so professional. He does mm -hmm. everything right. He reminds me a lot, not, not hockey-wise, just as a, as a human being, as, as Mario Ferraro. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about how he prepares for games, uh, how he preps. Um, in our post-season post interviews, he came in with a notebook and was ready to go and, and take notes. I mean, uh, regardless of what happens with his hockey career, he's just a fantastic human being and so professional and everything he's gotten, he's, he's earned on his own. So, um, there's some exciting things happening with Gannon, uh, coming up here, you know, uh, in the next few weeks and, um, he's earned all of it. So I'm, I'm really happy for Gannon. Ooh, ELC time question mark. <laughs> I, that's not, no, that's not my, uh -huh. that's not my territory. Uh -huh. <laughs> but he's just, he's a, he's a very good kid who's, uh, who's earned the right. And he plays defense a lot like a Justin Braun type where mm -hmm. he's just big and he's got a good stick, holds the D zone blue line. Like it's, I mean, you couldn't tell a difference between when he played in Victoria and when he played with the Barracuda and how he held the D zone blue. Yeah. Um, and he's only 18. I mean, I, the, the sky's the limit for him, but he's just a fantastic human being. Roy Sommer uh, uh, compared uh, Nick Chichek uh, to Ferraro, and so it sounds like in a couple of years, the Sharks locker room is going to be really, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Gannon, Gannon's not loud like, uh, like Mario. He's, he's just so professional. Uh, yeah. You know, Nick... Nick might be a little different. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, Gannon, Gannon is just extremely professional. Um, loves hockey, loves being at the ring. So, you know, Mario might be a little bit more in your face. Gannon, it's just you, he just, you respect him so much. So I'm um, mm -hmm. just really happy with them as, as, as people and personalities. Yeah. Well, every boy band is, needs a quiet one. So, yeah. Like it is hockey 24 seven like that that's all he wants to do is play hockey and get ready to play yeah hockey. i mean I, I went out to the island early on to see him and he played three games in a row he played 30 minutes a night i mean mm -hmm. and he just kept on going the energy he had in overtime in one game was the same as the first period i mean 30 minutes a night is crazy regardless of what league you're playing in and uh, he did it all season long so yeah if you can't tell i'm a huge fan of gannon larock <laughs> the pebble <laughs> uh, and another guy we want to ask about, uh, Oberg, um, you know, he, he was kind of a late run pick in, in Sweden. So is there potentially he might be coming to, to North America soon? Yeah, we're still working on that with Linus. He had a good season. I think he ended up with 17 goals, you know, three <laughs> more in the playoffs. So um, still trying to figure that all out. The Swedish agreement uh, with the NHL was, was just upped recently, and there's some new changes in it. So we're just kind of working through that right now. But uh, he had a good season in Ori Brew. Um, you know, went over there and, and saw him play some really good games against some high-end opponents. So he's, uh, he's trending well right now. Can you speak to some of those changes in the agreement? Uh, it's just their ages. So uh, depending on how old they are when they sign contracts, they can stay in Sweden a little bit longer uh, as opposed to the American League. So 
Um, just kind of working through that right now with a guy like Linus who was drafted older. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of an older guy, Ethan Cardwell, is he coming to the Cuda next season? I don't think like the, the Barracuda is guaranteed for any of our guys. I mean, mm -hmm. Cardsy finished the season strong. Yeah. Uh, we're also big believers in the overage season. I mean, you saw Tristan Robbins and Brandon Coe this year. Sure. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, we don't really choose that. They, you know, Cardsy will come into camp, and mm -hmm. if he blows the doors down, he stays. And if he needs more development, he goes back. But uh, we're, we're big believers in the overage year. I mean, you get to go back. You can wear a letter. You can put up points. You can be the guy on the team. Um, you know, we've, we've always thought that it's a good idea and, and, and that's kind of what we're looking at. But having said that, our, our kind of philosophy is, you know, coming to training camp and if you make it, you make it. And if you don't go back and, and dominate and uh, Cozy and, and Robbins did that this year. How important is that for the confidence of a player? Because you can send him to the Barracuda, but maybe he only plays fourth line minutes or whatever, right? Doesn't get, doesn't get a big opportunity to, to produce. Uh, maybe he loses confidence as opposed to going back like a Noel Gregor. Um, you mentioned obviously Brandon Cole getting to go back over and just absolutely just be a star and, you know, be the man, you know, in, uh, yeah. In, yeah. It gives you something to fall back on, right? Like mm -hmm. that way you always know in the back of your mind, at one point, I was a dominant player on a yeah. top team, and um, you know I'm skilled enough to do that at the next levels. I mean, objectively, Noah Gregor probably made the NHL faster than he would have if he sure. had played in the American League that year because he went back, was on the Mem Cup team, ran the point on the power play, uh, played 22 minutes a night, um, and then he made his NHL debut the next season. So yeah. I, I think you know some guys when they hear overage season, they think, oh, I'm going back to juniors. Well, not necessarily true. Like you can actually make it to the NHL faster um, if you do what guys like Noah Gregor did. So you know, Tristan and Brandon are coming in as as O ones. They're not they're not really kids. I mean, they're they're going to be twenty one uh, yeah. this season. So you never know how it, how it happens. But there's different development plans for different types of players. How excited are you for the Kudage with such an influx of talent? You know, like you said, you're going to have Robbins and you're going to have Ozzy most likely and Co. And like all these guys who, you, you know, you've been kind of watching grow and develop. And now they're going to be in your, you know, I know you're on the road, but they're going to be in your backyard. You know, you get to, you know, kind of see the, this, all this hard work starting to come together. Yeah. No, it's exciting as far as bringing in the talent. Uh, mm -hmm. To be honest, I'm still pretty pissed. We, we finished that season, you know, uh, on a 15 game losing streak. Yeah. Um, we we think winning breeds winning and yeah. uh you know these guys can come in all super skilled and as a scout obviously i'm super happy about that but nothing's going to be given to them i mean yeah. we're going to bring in competition at the nhl and ahl level like you know that team just missed the playoffs for the first time and that's that's unacceptable so uh we're going to probably bring in some players uh for the barracuda that will you know be really good leaders but will also take up a lot of ice time and and teach these guys and it's it's not any dissimilar than when um you know tristan's 18 years old and he's got 20 year olds on the saskatoon blades to look up to right so yeah um I, I am excited about the skill level for sure um but i'm curious to see how these guys do you know with adversity when things aren't given to them and um and compete for their ice time so from that perspective i'm actually really excited about barracuda games next year yeah <laughs> i know that new arena you got the new i got the new black it's jerseys awesome. It's everything's coming together. Yeah. Like this rink is, I mean, I can't think of a better setup. They got the practice rink there, Sharks practice there, Cooter there, SAP Center, half a mile down the road. I mean, the setup is unbelievable. Like it, John Gustafson and Dev Conley, they crushed it. It's so nice. So I, I'm, I'm excited for these guys. 
Are, are you happy you guys didn't end up in Stockton? That was the rumor, of course, that uh, the original destination for the Sharks AHL team was Stockton, but then the the I guess Calgary beat you to it or something like that. So <laughs> I am very happy we're in San Jose, Shag. Yeah, you don't want to drive in. Yeah, you just like you said, it's a half mile down the road instead of having to drive to Stockton. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Um, who was kind of a, maybe an under the radar prospect who you thought had a had a good season this year? One that maybe it's not getting as much shine as, as some of the other guys. Uh, I mean, I guess it, it depends, right? I mean, for me, I guess it'd be Ben Goodrow. I mean, mm. his team was pretty bad, and on top of that, his his other goalie partner, Anson Thornton, got an NHL contract right before the season with the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. So to be on a on a bad team. And to also have your partner be an NHL prospect who has a contract before you, um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, compete and fire in Ben's game. You know, Ben is pretty electric. You like to see his big time saves. But I think Evgeny Nabokov did a great job working with him more technically. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if you're making the big saves, it's because you're out of position. And it's nice to be an athletic goalie who can make those saves, but you don't necessarily want to be doing that all the time. And I think Ben did a really good job, especially in the second half. And I think you saw it if you saw any of his um, playoff performances where he was just absolutely shelled. Yeah, um, I think he was outshot by like 100 shots compared to his, his counterpart. Yet I think he faced like 210 shots in, in, yeah. in the six games and he was like 924 save percentage. Let's go. It, it was wild. It was like he played two more games than yeah. every other goalie. But uh, the good thing was, I think if you watch those games, he, he was much more square to pucks. Um, he, he, he made some electric saves, but he made more technically strong saves. And that was a huge growth, I think, for Ben. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the prospects had good seasons. You know, some mm-hmm. wish they were better than others. Um, but for me, you know, Ben faced a lot of adversity and, and competitiveness uh, for his net. And I, I think he did a really good job. And uh, speaking of something that you are a uh, very, uh, I guess, uh, a part of that's underrated though, because, you know, when people think about you and your role with the Sharks, they think about the, the prospects and drafting and all that stuff. But like you mentioned earlier, you're a big part of the European uh, free agency and, you know, the Sharks, what the Sharks do in that uh, department. And so anyway, you guys signed a guy in a Max Ranu. So can you tell us a little bit about, about him? Yeah, Max is, um, Max is a good player. I mean, we recruited him out of Princeton, and he signed with Ottawa, uh, his hometown team. And uh, the thing I like about Max is, um, you know, there's a little bit of a theme here, but, you know, he, he got to the NHL right away. You know, he played 12 games. He got four points. He thought it'd be easy. And then he comes in uh, to the American League the next season, and it was not easy. And then he got traded, and he didn't perform in Toronto either. And there's two different ways you can go with that, right? You can either just pack it in or – go put yourself in an opportunity to succeed. And I think him and Strauss Mann both did that. They both kind of took their careers, um, you know, by the horns, went over to Sweden, and uh, Max scored 40 goals over 75 games in the last two years in a league that's very hard to score. Uh, so, you know, I'm Max signed a two, two-way contract, so he, he's going to have to earn the, an opportunity at the NHL level. But uh, the thing I like about Max talking to him now when I saw him in Sweden versus when we were recruiting him out of Princeton is that he, he's much more mature. Um, he knows the NHL is not given to anyone, and he saw that. It was taken away from him, and he went out and he performed and uh, found his way back into the conversation. So I think you know he's going to be one to watch in training camp just as far as what he can bring uh, with his speed and goal scoring. Um, but he knows he's going to have to compete, uh, you know, to make the club. 
So I presume he hasn't lost anything of what you guys liked of about him, you know, three years ago or so, but he's just gained more maturity. Yeah, I mean, he's six foot one. He can absolutely fly and he can snap a puck. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's something we were missing at both levels. But, uh, but his speed, uh, he's 26 right now. So he's, he's not a young kid. He's, he's ready to go age-wise. But to score 40 goals in 75 SHL games, I mean, it's not a one-year wonder, right? He, yeah. he was consistent for two years and he earned it. And to his credit, um, you know, he told us he's willing to do anything possible to make it back to the NHL. So if that's playing with the Barracuda and earning it, um, you know, more power to him. I got to ask you, uh, since we have you in this space talking about this, uh, I know you can't give us any names, but is, are, is there anybody else that you guys might be looking at from uh, the European leagues that you guys are maybe close on? You know, something you can give us there. Uh, no. <laughs> no, yeah. you, no, there's nobody you're winning on, or no, you can't give us anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Doug, I, I really appreciate uh, your time here. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, the flow is looking great. Uh, just how yeah. we started the show, the flow is looking great. And I look forward to seeing you in uh, Dev Camp. Awesome. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, JD. Thank appreciate you. it. Yes. Now, uh, one last, if, again, if you like a guy who rhymes with, with Schmeckermaki or Schambert, go ahead and blink twice. <laughs> Tevin, Tevin Torchinsky. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's, there's some good hockey players out there. I don't know their names, though, JD. I forgot uh, all of them already. Well, I'll send you a list. We, we'll, we'll talk offline. You, so. Send me your list. We'll take care of it. All right, sounds good, Doug. Thank you, man. See you guys. Thank you, Doug. All right, we hope you enjoyed Doug Wilson Jr. I tried. I tried, guys, to get something out of him. But alas, well, uh, what was your interpretation of his answer to uh, European free agents? He said no, and then no, no. So what? No. What did each no mean? Uh, uh, I know. Maybe uh, that's does no plus like, no mean yes? Yes. Multiple. What is it? Seventy-two no's mean yes. Um, yeah. Maybe he's uh he's got something up his sleeves right now. I know. We're gonna have to dig deep. Dig deep. I'm gonna. I actually was. Or maybe at, he doesn't. Maybe he does it. Yeah. I was looking at some of the potential top like European and Russian guys mm -hmm. who were unsigned and see if they'd started following the sharks on Instagram. You know, I was trying to dig deep on the, yeah. Oh, that's a good, a good way to look at it. Actually, That's yeah. a good look. Yeah. So and, see, or if they start started following? following, you know, some of the sharks players, sure, stuff sure, like sure. that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but alas, uh, my, I was not able to find anybody. So, uh, yeah. So we'll be back next week with, uh, more stuff. That we'll plan out because we have a long time until then. Um, you can, of course, find the show on YouTube now. Um, at uh, on YouTube, just search for San Jose Hockey Now podcast, you'll find us there. Um, of course, you can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, um, you know, Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, wherever we're there doing our thing. So you can find Shang at Shang underscore Peng on Twitter. Of course, read his stuff on San Jose Hockey Now. I am at my fry hole. Uh, doing dumb stuff as usual. And if you want to listen to someone talk five days a week about the sharks, you can also do that at locked on sharks. Shang, anything else next week? Uh, can we just have uh, for you a Lego head and you just like talk on the side? It seems like the, you know, the Lego I'm actually going to be using is for uh, the development. And it's literally yeah. just going to repeat the like same seven phrases of like, you know, 
pucks in deep, keep your feet moving, you know, uh, watch the stick, stuff like that, you know, harder in the corner. Yeah. Know. So yeah. it'll be like one of those old like tiger handheld games that has like eight phrases. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, yeah, I got to, I booked studio time this weekend to make sure I get really nice and pristine. So yes. All right. We'll be back next week. Um, also, if you're on, uh, listening to us on Apple right now, take two seconds. Give us a five star review. It helps the yes, podcast. Yes, we appreciate grow. the reviews we got. We do uh, appreciate these are the, the first reviews. reviews we received since July 2021. So, yes, so it does help the podcast grow. And yeah, so bye, friends. <laughs>